So, uh, welcome, brother, uh, and thank you for your time. So, would you like to introduce yourself, tell the people who you are, your role, your organisation, where you are in the country? Um, my name's Jaden Jose Bonsu. Um, I will currently work um, for the Paul Hammond Foundation. I'm doing a placement with the 2027 programme um, as a dance manager, just looking over their arts-based learning um, and looking over applications, assessing applications and putting forward applications to the board. Um, I'm based in London and we our grants cover the, the whole of the UK and Northern Ireland. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about what I've been doing at the moment. Thank you for that. What does cultural representation mean to you? I think it's a big one. I think uh, I think some people look at culture differently. For me, I think culture comes from my own background. So what my parents are bringing to the table. I'm mixed heritage, so my my dad's from Ghana, my mom's from Scotland. So culture to me is about exploring those things but at the same time my my culture is London as well so I grew up in South London and a lot of how I talk how I speak what I am interested in comes from like how I grew up and and I think that all adds into the culture so my clothes sense uh my my the, the music I listen to I think all these things play a part in people's culture so it's so it's not only just the individual of where they're coming from, but it's where their parents are coming from, the areas that people are growing up in and what they're bringing with that, um, their perspective, which adds to it. So culture is, is there's, it's multifaceted. I think there's loads of things to it, like class includes in culture. Mm. I think um, the food you eat is part of your culture as well. Mm. Um, I don't think it's just one, like this is your culture. I think it's influenced by many different things. Um, and that always related to my own upbringing, which is influenced by my parents, my my friends, um, being growing up in London. Um, yeah. Thank you. What does the term dominant cultural bias mean to you? Dominant culture, I would say, is I would relate that to hege hegemonic masculinity, which is. Um, how we view in the western world what it's like so we all like have a guiding marker as to what is socially at the top of the social scale and that usually is like a white man middle class in a suit going to work in the city a banker so we all kind of like relate ourselves whether this is true or not it's just like something that i know when i was growing up that was what was projected as the be all and end all that like that is the image of success like the almost the James Bond character, which is one of the reasons why when people said, "Oh, like Idris Elba is going to be James Bond," the world went into riot because they couldn't have their superhero of what masculinity is being a black man. So for me, that that's why yeah, that's why that came about. But um, so dominant culture is in the Western world is kind of like this. Um, I don't know being British and what British means, um, but then also bias, I think adding that into the mix again is, dominant culture bias is, yeah, maybe if you don't fit into that stereotype, if you don't fit into this, this image of what the dominant culture is, then you're kind of like marginalized. So you become part of 
a marginalized community or a subset of what this dominant culture is. So for um, they would call the masculinity that I'm associated with as a hyper masculinity or something like along the lines where it's something completely different, but we're in the same sort of basis. I don't know, I'm going off on one, but um, so you kind of don't fit in. I think that bias basically means you kind of don't fit into dominant culture. And for that, you can get marginalized and picked out of certain decisions. Yeah, thank you. Can you think of some examples of when you've witnessed, experienced or contributed even to some of these biases through your life? Well, well, this is another question, right? So that dominant cultural bias, that in fact, where I grew up. So even though that, that was a societal marker, where I grew up, that wasn't the dominant culture, right? So my culture was very um, street related, very actually the dominant culture was like who can be the best gang member and that was like the biggest ambition of people like, i think people well, thinking within organizations you've worked in so organizationally yeah that's, that's great so organizationally i found it very difficult i remember my first one of my first roles where that's like, one of my first professional roles i remember i was working there for for three years um and a lot of the work that i was doing and i and like this can be argued it's very subjective so i don't know but i I remember getting into the organization and there was two other people that came in one before me one after me um and the impact that i brought to the organization was very relevant yet i wasn't able to get any there was like a ceiling right and the ceiling meant that i couldn't go any higher than i was and i saw that with my manager who looked exactly like me and there was a ceiling for him as well Mm -hmm. even though our flagship program um was like the most influential to the whole organization other people were getting promoted to managerial roles and we was getting kept at like this frontline basis right um and i know for a fact that like our work like even the evaluation reports everything and i would bring it up to senior management i was like look what's going on here like why why are we getting kept at this level and other people are moving up Um, and there was just never there was never a reasonable or logistic answer that logical sorry a logical answer that that made me feel like I wasn't that there was a bias that that there wasn't a bias against me because I felt like there was a bias against me mm-hmm. uh, and it's almost as seen as if you come from particular backgrounds you can't there's always going to be a ceiling on your professional career and you can't get to certain places which again like that's that's what's out there. I'm not necessarily agreeing with that 100%, but I know I've had experiences of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always have to work two or three times harder than anyone else in your organisation or anything just to be even noticed. Um, or to like talking about pay rises and stuff. And I think that comes from a class structure as well, where mm-hmm. we're told. I remember always being told, "Just be happy that you've got a job." And it's like, whereas people who might be from the dominant culture have experienced a different a different conversation with their parents where they like always push for a pay rise always like they have a sense of entitlement when they go into organizations whereas coming from where i come from we're just it's almost like we're fed i oh, just be lucky like just be happy that you've got what you've got and it's actually no like we should be like if the work is good give us the respect that we deserve give us the the benefits that we deserve um yeah thank you what do you see as some of the symptoms of lack of cultural representation within organisations? I would say one of the symptoms is an assumption. 
So one of the symptoms people have is assuming they know. Um, and because of the lack of cultural representation, they make decisions based on what they think they know, but they, they don't know because you can't, you can't falsify a lived experience, right? But so many people feel like, oh, like I've got a good understanding of that. Yeah, like actually this must be good. But if you don't have an understanding of that, you do not know. Right. So you've got a lot of people that share their thoughts on gang involvement or gang activity, saying like, oh, it's a lack of aspirations. But as I was saying before, actually, people want to be the best gang member they can be because that's the that's that's their biggest aspiration. But you can't see that if you're not from that world because you've never had those experiences. Right. So, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the symptoms. I'll say another symptom is. Um, is decision decisions like lack of money going into the right places so if we think of um if we think of organizations applying for funding those people that don't have that experience might read it a certain way or think that they haven't they're not doing what they're doing right mm -hmm. um one of the symptoms is money is not going into the best placed best places because people who are applying for it might not use the correct word in that it, it, correct word and what does that even mean but like mm -hmm. like the, the word in that funders want or the grammar or the evaluation or the monitoring that funders want but actually they're doing some amazing work and and that's all they know that's all they know how to communicate right mm -hmm. so it's like i think people that are in positions of power need to have not just cultural representation where you have someone sit at the table and give their opinion or view. You need to have someone that is in a position of power as well that comes from these backgrounds who can say, actually, no, we need to do it like this, or actually, no, that doesn't sound right, or do you know what I mean? Actually, they're doing something good, you can, you can see that. So I think the symptoms is poorer decisions um, and assumptions. I think they're the two biggest ones for me. Cool, thank you. And so what are some of the approaches and system changes needed to improve or widen cultural representation? We're always asking um, grassroots organisations to do more, but I think funders are in an amazing position. So grassroots organisations are already going out there, meeting with people, are already um, like running projects, programmes, and then on top of that, doing the evaluation, monitoring. Some people are like managing, admin, uh, media. They're doing like five different roles at once. I think funders could do do more in terms of getting out there and identifying these organizations that like you all you have to do is go into the community or organization and realize actually they're doing something right so if you go to a big charity who say they work with thousands of young people you go into their headquarters you might not see one young person you go to a community organization you will see 20 young people every day of that week right so it's like i think we should be doing a better job at going to going into these communities and seeing who's doing the work. But like at the moment, it feels like we're content with the change we're making. So a lot of funders, I find they're content with taking a little bit of a risk, but they don't want to like push themselves. And if we relate what frontline workers are doing, they're pushing themselves every day. Why are we not using the same mentality yeah. in here and really challenging ourselves to make better decisions? Um, and I think that's like, honestly, like I really believe that it's like people are just really content oh, that sounds nice. Oh, they've mentioned disadvantage. Oh, like the area's rural, rural. Like, let's give them money. Actually, like what, like what do we know about that area or like what's going on?
and if that's the best program placed to deliver that work it's all subjective like it's literally we're, we're running on 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 a, on a whim here whereas if we went out into these places we'd be able to see if what's really going on yeah cool thank you uh so yeah you've already touched on some of this but what are some of the benefits of widening cultural representation within organizations what will they benefit how will they benefit well better informed better informed decisions um and they've got to be before we talk about that they've got to be in a position to say that i don't like it, it comes across too nice nowadays so a lot of people are talking about widening cultural representation we need people from more diverse backgrounds to come in here and it seems like a tagline or a key phrase that a lot of organizations are saying we don't need it to be tokenistic the communities who are like diverse and and representing culture we have wisdom we have that understanding we know what we're talking about we don't want a token to say here come sit in a seat we want to be in positions where our voices not just being heard but making decisions like like a power like there has to be an exchange of power right and and i feel like that will enable more people to i think it's historical like historically if you've been from a marginalized community you've been historically oppressed and that comes into the history of things of how you move how you react and i think if we're giving power over to people and communities then you will see a ripple effect in those communities so not only the people that you're working with but other people believing in themselves that they can apply for positions like this so then you see a whole cultural shift from okay you get a little seat at the table you get a little bit of power all the way to actually you know what we're changing the culture we're changing the conversation so the lunchtime conversations aren't just talking about opera music and this that and the other you're having conversations about hip-hop and what grime's doing um Mm -hmm. like that, that's just from me like obviously there's yeah, yeah. other representations from other from other people from different backgrounds that like, i would love to know like i'm really interested in where other people are coming from and i think that interest and that curiosity has to be there but also respect from people coming from different backgrounds because sometimes that respect that isn't always there cool thank you uh and what's the key drawback of doing nothing and leaving things as they are it would just stay tokenistic, which I think a lot of it is at the moment. Um, a lot of people love to talk about it, um, but put nothing, no practical or actionable steps in place. Like we don't want, we don't want small changes. We really want big changes. The community needs big changes, right? So, um, I think a huge drawback is is money going out and the changes that they're expecting not happening. The hidden people that the hidden communities that really need support still not getting support mm. um detainees in immigration still not coming through borders like all these different things all these difficult situations like even abuse and and domestic violence like there's real organizations that are out there on a daily basis fighting these causes um and it's like we need to make sure that it is our duty to make sure that the money goes to the right places Otherwise, these problems, of course, problems are always going to be there, but we can, we can limit them. We can put things in place to, to reduce what's going on. Yeah, thanks. And so, final question, really. Uh, what steps could your or any organisation take to improve, challenge and tackle 
the dominant any dominant cultural biases to exist um i think it starts from from the top so looking at the board we talk about diverse organizations actually organizations are very diverse especially when you're looking at frontline staff or um, um or admin roles or, or reception roles but when you look at the board it's very similar you've got the similar middle class white system at the top um who who make these decisions and a lot of the time haven't experienced what's going on on the ground floor and that some of them do but they might be so far detached that like you can get a seat at the table but does it mean that you're representing the communities we've seen that so many times when you get the tokenistic black person on on, on the board um doesn't mean that they represent the community just because of the color of their skin right so it's making sure that actually we start from the top and saying what needs to change at the top okay then what can we do there and then have that trickle down into organizations into um, how we're making decisions and really challenging ourselves. I think everyone needs to look at themselves and say, how can we challenge ourselves a bit more to make better informed decisions? Because I don't think it's like, at the moment now, we're in a crisis, right? So everyone's really thinking critically, okay, where's the, the money best placed? We should have been doing that before the crisis. We should be doing that all the time. Um, thinking about where can we put this money? What communities need it the most? Um, is this really gonna, like, so a lot of organizations are trying to go into digital now. And like we're really questioning them we're saying all right is digital the right format for you to go forward like how do you know that's going to access the, the the hidden people that need their service mm -hmm. and actually yeah we should be doing that on a normal day actually is what you're doing really going to find those people that you say you are um and i think we're being a lot more stricter now and i hope that 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 continues going mm -hmm. forward to say actually you know what when we're making these decisions going forward we can use the same measures that we did when COVID-19 was taking place. Thank you. And Jaden, anything else you'd like to say? Um, I think, I think it's a difficult one. I think it's your, your, I think especially like this topic that you're talking about, you're asking a very big question. Um, and I think for it to move forward, like people really need to take it serious. I, I think acknowledgement is the biggest thing. So historical acknowledgement on why communities are like disproportionate um, in terms of economics, socially, um, why countries are in the way they are. Um, what are the stories that have been told? Like a big one is colonialism that we need to really like, people don't want to talk about it. They really get quite nervous about it. But like if you use what was going on years ago and bring it to the forefront, um, you can start to really see the connections as to why these communities are the way they are. Like how in the world, like how in the world did the Windrush get sent back home? Like it did just like to me, it still blows my mind. The last 10, 15 years, like it's like they got sold this massive dream in the 50s and 60s, yeah. came over here and then like got sent right back. And then we can look at loads of different communities where these things have been happening to them. And then like bring it into the, into the times like now, and then we look at the communities now, and see direct correlations between the attitudes back then and what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you know what? It hasn't been too long since, since, since days were very similar, since like people were getting called some wild names, right? And it's, people think we've moved so far on, but we haven't moved that far on. And I think in the UK, it's very blanketed, whereas people are really polite about it. 
but that politeness needs to go because it means nothing changes. Like people are too polite. It's like, yo, we've got a chance to really talk about something and get it out in the open, get it aired. Because I think if it's in the open, then you can identify it. When it's not, I think there's there's real problems. And then, then you get the passive aggressiveness, you get cultural bias, um, unconscious, conscious, whatever you want to call it, biases. And people like saying, I'm not biased. They say, yeah, you are. Like, we all like working with people that have similar tastes to us, um, similar experiences. I'll be lying if I said I didn't, but it's up to us. It's up to us to challenge ourselves to come out of our comfort zone and say, you know what, for the greater good, what does it look like if I, if I didn't work with people like myself if the, and, and the decision is better, the, the, the day-to-day, I might just learn different things each day. Do you, know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think there's, there's a huge challenge that we have to put on board, board of trustees, senior management, and then a challenge to ourselves where we have to, what would it look like if I challenged my decisions a bit more day-to-day um, for the greater good and for the greater impact? Cool. Thank you for your time. Uh, and your thoughts, Jaden. Uh, good luck with everything.